Twitter. I'm Chantal Fallens, he's David Mack, and you're watching AM to DM on this fine Thursday morning. It is Thursday. We have yes, made, it. made it. Uh, I speak for myself here. It has been a long week. <laughs> has it? Well, with Isaac and Saeed gone, I've been here every day, mm -hmm. and I have a newfound respect for them, I have to say. Yeah, same. They it's wake a hard up at the job. crack of dawn before Jesus wakes up, and yeah. so I'm pretty convinced that I don't know how they do it. It's a superpower, honestly. We made it. We made, made it. it. Uh, but apparently there are, is some sort of weird thing going on today that a lot of people are celebrating. It's officially the start, and I'm reading here something called... Um, Virgo, Virgo, Virgo season. Virgo, Virgo season. Yeah. Thank you. Here's a tweet from Slime Dad. Happy Virgo season, bitches! I'm ready to pick up the pieces of everyone's lives and control everything I can get my little raccoon hands on. Ooh, here's a tweet from Liam Rice. It's Virgo season. I still remember when I was younger, someone asked me what star sign I was, and I said I was a virgin. And they replied with, "I hope so, Liam. You're 13." <laughs> <laughs> wow, Liam. Wow. That I understand. I also like the visual of the little raccoon yes, hands exactly. as well. Uh, let me just say for the record, this is absolute nonsense. Okay. Uh, well. Okay, sorry. Listen, right. you're not into astrology? No. No. Okay, so what's your sign? Taurus. Okay, so that's true Taurus fashion. You are practical. You like things to make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, you're like, please, be gone. So you're telling me that everyone born in that like six-week, two-month period that is a Taurus is exactly the same person? Basically, yeah, you have similar <laughs> traits, you have similar qualities. That's and science. Yeah, science for you. I mean, science. it's truly real. It's okay, well listen, Twitter, I clearly don't believe it, so we want to hear from you. Do you have any patience for this nonsense? Or do you have any patience for killjoys that drag astrology? Oh. Let us know using the hashtag am to dm Okay, whatever, I think. I think <laughs> I, look, science is, Dan Vagano would be on my side, you that's know. all I want to say. Anyway, the next <laughs> season of The Big Bang Theory will be the last. The shit show is coming to an end after 12 seasons. And here's a tweet from Yeats Tweets. Hey, be sure to call all your friends that have a bad sense of humor and tell them sorry for their loss. This is so mean. Big Bang Theory is ending and that's going to hit them pretty hard. Oh, sucks. <laughs> that's a mean tweet. It's mean, it's but mean. it's real. Yeah. You don't like the show? I am not a fan. Like I was telling you earlier, it's just like when Dino Drive-Ins and Dives comes on, I jump across the couch and I have to change the channel. As soon as that choosh noise comes in on Big Bang Theory, I am jumping over the couch and changing look, okay, it. I look, can't. I can't it's not it. for me either, but I, it is the most popular show on TV. Like a well, lot of people love this show. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Maya Bialik we had on the show yes, a while wonderful. ago. She was lovely. But yeah, it's not my cup yeah, of it's tea. Yeah, something's come to an end. It's like Yes, it after a long time. Twitter? Oh, a very long time. Twitter, we want to hear hear from you. Is there a super popular show that you just can't understand why it's so huge? Let us know using the hashtag am to dm uh, I will say I've never understood the juggernaut that is Modern Family. Oh, never. No, not really. It's yeah. not my, again, not my thing. It's just, it it's won really so funny. many awards. It's won several. And it used to be really, really funny to give it its credit, but it's kind of died, died down the current years. Again, these things just go on for too long, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a show that you were never into? Um, friends, um, because you just didn't get it. And also, Shout out to sorry, a real what? icon living single one time. Yeah, the true queen. You never watched you know? Friends. I've never seen it. No. You're I, missing out. I, I mean, I don't think I am, but I mean, <laughs> fair uh, enough. Yeah. To each their own. <laughs> to each their own. Well, moving on in serious news, here's a tweet from the White House. 
For 34 days, investigators searched for 20-year-old Molly Tibbetts yesterday, an illegal alien now charged with first-degree murder, led police to the cornfield where her body was found. The Tibbetts family has been permanently separated. They are not alone. Yes, the murder of University of Iowa student Molly Tibbetts has become a national political issue now as the Trump administration focuses in on the immigration status of suspect Christiane Bahina Rivera. Our reporter Ellie Hall has been covering the case and joins us now. Good morning, Ellie. Good morning. Now, Ellie, what exactly do we know about this man's immigration status? Uh, not much, uh, to be completely honest with you. I spoke with his lawyer yesterday, and he wouldn't give me a straight answer as to what exactly Mr. Rivera's immigration status is. Um, we've talked to different agencies of the U.S. government, and they have no record of him uh, coming in. And the owner of the farm where he has been employed for the past four years in Iowa told reporters yesterday that Rivera used a different name and a different social security card and social security number to apply for the job four years ago and that they did not know him as Christian Rivera. They knew him by another name that they have not told us yet. So it seems like he, if I obviously we can't say if he came into the country using a different name, but at least when he applied for a job and paid his taxes, he was using a different name and a different social security number. Right. And we know from your reporting that your interview with this lawyer, uh, he, he couldn't uh, back up his claim specifically that this man was in the country legally. That's correct. No, he's, he, he says, you know, he's in the country legally, but he also told me that his client has bigger problems than his immigration status. Right now, uh, the lawyer is trying to get a gag order in place so that potential jurors wouldn't need to hear this uh, now very politicized conversation happening all around us about this uh, tragic murder of this young woman. Yeah, tragic indeed. Now, Ellie, what has the White House and the president said about Molly Tibbetts' murder? They're using this as... Uh, a jumping off platform to enforce harsher immigration laws. Uh, President Trump yesterday made a video of himself outside of the White House talking about how Molly Tibbetts would still be alive if it weren't for the Democrats' uh, immigration laws and open borders and how we need to build a wall. And many politicians, including the governor of Iowa, Vice President Mike Pence, are all picking up on this tragedy as a reason why we need to enforce all of these very strict immigration laws that the Trump administration has been pushing for. Right. This isn't the first time either that the administration has highlighted what they're calling uh, angel families now, is it? No, uh, even going back to the Republican National Convention, I remember uh, a mother of a woman who had been murdered by an undocumented immigrant spoke. And yesterday, the White House released a very uh, obviously meant to tug at the heartstrings video with parents and family members of other uh, men and women who have been killed by undocumented immigrants, again, to push forward that these families would all still be together if it weren't for the Democrats' immigration laws. Yeah, if it wasn't for the law. So, Ellie, can you talk us through using the language of permanently separated? What is, why are they using that phrase? That's become, uh, Republicans have used the phrase permanently separated from their families as a sort of a catchphrase to go against the keep families together movement that uh, has been going on all summer once it came out that families, uh, parents and children were being separated at the border. So Republicans now are using the examples of these dead men and women and now the death of this Iowa student, 20-year-old Molly Tibbetts, to say, okay, well, you're complaining about families being separated at the border. At least they're one day going to be reunited. These families, you know, are separated by death. They'll never be back together. Isn't this worse than families being separated temporarily? 
Right. Uh, I want to know, Ellie, what, what do Molly Tibbetts' friends and family think of everything that's going on? Uh, they are obviously mourning, as you can understand. And it seems they really do not want all of this national attention and all of this arguing, this angry arguing about politics while they're trying to bury and mourn this young woman. Her aunt posted hours after news came out that Molly's body had been found uh, that evil has no color. And many of her friends have been taking to Twitter and tweeting in response to people trying to make this an issue saying Molly wouldn't have wanted this. Molly didn't believe this. She wouldn't want her death to be used as a talking point, And you really need to stop talking about it. Wow. Well, we will continue to keep her family and friends in our thoughts. Thanks for joining us, Ellie. And stay thank you. And stay tuned. We're going to be talking to our White House reporter, Tarini Party later in the show to get more insight on this story. I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, these are important conversations yeah. for the country to have. But it's also interesting that this is an administration, right, that when these horrific mass shootings happen in this country all too regularly, uh, we're repeatedly told that it's too early or too uh, political or opportunist to try to politicize this, exactly. these tragedies uh, and enforce a kind of political discussion around them. Uh, and I don't know, I just think you have to always question people's motives, exactly. which is a very healthy thing to do in a democracy. Absolutely agree, would say. sure. Well, moving on to some positive news. Here's a tweet from reporter Julia Reinstein. Remember Bruno the thick cat? Of course you do. Well, he got adopted. The Right Way Rescue Animal Shelter said, Bruno has made his choice and he found someone just as extra as him. The new cat mom, Lauren Paris, joins us now. Hi, Lauren. Hi, how's it going? Doing well. So, Lauren, I have to know, what was your reaction when you found out you were selected to adopt Bruno? Oh, my God. It had been, it felt like it had been weeks since the process started. It had been about three days. <laughs> we got the call on Monday, and I was at work, and I've really just been living and breathing this for the past week. When I saw Right Way Rescue pop up on my phone, they were calling. I ran down the hall to clutch my coworker so I could get the news while I was with somebody and like, you know, grabbing her. I was just so excited. <laughs> and then I called everybody I know. <laughs> when you first saw the listing for this, uh, you call him a fat cat. I call him a thick cat. Thick. Uh, Absolutely. Thick. Yeah. We're when body you, positive. Positive, you know? positive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, I want to know, what it, how did you know Bruno was the cat for you? Okay, so I had a fat cat growing up, and I use the word fat only about cats. I mean it really <laughs> in a very body positive way. All right. Um, <laughs> I had a large cat growing up. Real cats have curves, and I just loved her so much. I saw Bruno, the pictures of Bruno online a week ago today, and I just freaked out. It's the only way to put it. And I felt an ambition like I haven't felt, honestly, in years. It's kind of embarrassing. Um, to just go for this cat, and I went with it with everything I had. <laughs> I mean, I can understand why. There was some very fierce competition, and to try to win, I understand you wrote and performed a song dedicated to Bruno called Give Me That Fat Cat, and I want to take a listen to it just for a second. Let's take a listen. We have been singing this all morning. all morning. I'm obsessed. This is my new power anthem. I have to know, how did you put this song together so quickly? 
Okay, I need to be honest. I did not write this song. Okay. My friend Kathleen Gibson, she works for Second City here in Chicago. She wrote the song in less than an hour and had it to me, a karaoke track, the rehearsal track, and the lyrics. I memorized it in about 20 minutes and we did the takes to get it in as quick as possible. But it's like got a really good hook, right? It's yeah. amazing. It's really iconic. Yeah. Like I'm giving you a little shoulder action. Yeah. It's truly iconic. Now, Lauren, how is Bruno adjusting to his new fabulous home? Honestly, it's been seamless so far, knock on wood. But from the moment we brought him home on Monday, or is Monday? I don't even know what day it is. We brought him <laughs> home Tuesday. It's Thursday. Okay. We brought him home two days ago. He walked out of the carrier and just immediately flopped over. He's been so easygoing, so affectionate. It's like a dream come true. Like Tuesday night I got in bed. I just started sobbing. My boyfriend was like, what? It's like, I'm so happy. I just, we are looking, it's really like next level. We are looking at video of him now, and I have to say, he is an absolute unit, as they say. Uh, okay, we had to look up what unit meant last night because <laughs> everyone is saying that. And then we were like, wow, we feel old. He is an absolute unit in the best possible way, body positive yes, way. Yes, body positive. Um, but yeah, he, yeah. he does have some very weird habits, right? You can't, he has to have, from that listing on the Animal Shelter website, his water has to be in separate rooms. That is very high maintenance right? Well, you know what? My cats growing up were the same way. So I was like, yeah, don't all cats have water in every room? <laughs> uh, so that wasn't really super high maintenance to me. The only high maintenance thing we've noticed so far, which was in the post, um, is that he requires you to pet him while he eats. <laughs> like last, <laughs> last night he ate like half his dinner and then was walking around and laying with us and then just looked at me and started meowing. I was like, Bruno, what, 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 what? And I walked over to him, and then he walked over to his food bowl. Like, follow me, mom. I'm ready to finish my dinner. So I bet him, and he finished his dinner. He wow. needs reinforcement. A true icon, that. honestly. Now, Lauren, does Bruno have Truly. any list of demands? Any list of demands mm -hmm. for all this press that's happening for him? Yeah, or for like, just like his everyday life? I mean, well, his everyday both. life, both, both. yeah. <laughs> it's he is very, very, very affectionate. He needs a lot of affection, mm. which I am blessed to be able to give him um i would say like from the second i walk into the apartment for the past few days it's like boom bruno is on me he demands that i am with him throughout the apartment at all times but honestly like that makes me feel good too so oh wow yeah. bruno will forever be iconic we love him so much we stand an icon thank you so much for joining us lauren Thank you. Can I tell you really quick where you can follow his channel? Oh, please, please do. do. Yeah. Let us know. I've been told we have to plug it, his Instagram, so you can keep up with him because he has a lot of fans. We already have 35,000 followers in two days. What? Wow. Yeah. His Instagram is the, T-H-E-E, -E, Bruno, B-R-U-N-O, Bartlett. Love it. B-R-T-L-E-T-T. -T. That's an instant follow right there. Thank you so much <laughs> and best of luck with that uh, thick cat. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Up next, it's Fire Tweets. Give me that thick cat. <laughs> That's terrible. We have been singing uh, the Bruno Thick Cat song the whole break. 
Uh, and Cindy Martinez tweets, singing a song to adopt a cat, people have done less for a date. This is true. That's true. There was some fierce competition for that cat, so I get it. Anyway, let's do some fire tweets. Let's You're do up. it. You ready? You're up. All right. So we have Keeper. Bow Wow's full name is actually... You didn't ring the button! Oh my gosh, y'all. I'm so sorry. Is this sorry. your first it's... date? No, it's not. Wow, let's do this again. I lost. Do it again. <laughs> Keeper, I'm truly sorry. It's Thursday. Bow Wow's full name is actually Boward Woward. You can, that's my dad's name. Yeah, honestly, it is. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hit the button. Are you ready? <laughs> Here we go. Samantha, I'm 22 years old, and I just realized that this little piggy went to the market doesn't mean that he went food shopping. Wow, this was That was grim. This was very that grim. That was grim. I saw Chrissy Teigen interacting with that this morning or last night, and wow. it was kind of like, uh-oh. I mean, yeah, it's, bacon. He's bacon now, bacon. right? Bacon, yes, Sorry. sausage perhaps if you're into that. All right, next up. Two hands now. <laughs> Fugless Adam. Do it right. Fucking yeah. hate it when I try to eat a butterfly and its wing patterns resemble eyes, so I'm watered off. What? Uh, wait, what? <laughs> Listen, I don't know what kind of life he's leading, but count me out. Okay, that works. A butterfly. Shout out to my girl Chrissy Teigen. Here she is. Chrissy Teigen, wedge salads are the best trick restaurants have ever pulled on us. Yes, hello, I will cut the salad. You guys just relax back there. I don't think I can confidently say I've never had a wedge I've salad. I've seen them, they're just weird. I just don't get them. They're huge chunks of lettuce and you cut into them and then you continue to cut and eat the salad. That's not a salad, that's yeah. a plate. It's, a, it's just basically just warm, cold. No thanks. I don't want it. No I don't thanks. want it at all. All right, next up. Charlie, so let me get this straight. You really. The only point of life is going on like little weekend vacations. Yeah. That's true. That's it's true. true. I gotta just say, yeah. I love that you're really into yeah. the. Yeah. I have to really... make this bun is pissed at me. At okay. This point, all right. So. Fair enough. All right. We're gonna do this Ready? together. together. Tweet Ready? Of the day. Ready? Two hands. Tweet of the day from Crystal West. It's already the twenty second. I feel like I just paid my rent, and here's this bitch come again with her hand out. Shout out to my landlord. Yeah, dude, like, Shout out to my landlord. How does that happen so quickly? So quickly. Just got paid and now they want it. My yeah, money. they want it back. Why? Oh, goodness. Rude. So rude. Honey, him. <laughs> Up next, we're going live in the district. The cut. Welcome back. We're going live from the district with BuzzFeed News White House correspondent Tarini Party. Good morning, Tarini. Good morning from DC, guys, where it's still not Friday. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to check a producer here in New York. Yeah, also not Friday. Thank yep. you. Uh, Tarini, important question. Uh, thick hat. Thoughts? So I know I work at BuzzFeed and I'm supposed to love cats, but I'm actually terrified of them. Oh, but I'm glad that Bruno found a home because everyone deserves love. Okay, good. I assume this is the talk of the White House press pool as well. So good. I'm, you can let them all know. Well, <laughs> talk of the town. Sure. Well, Tony, here's a tweet from politics reporter Molly Hensley Clancy. Democratic campaigns aren't going to start talking about impeaching Trump after the Cohen revelations, despite what some Republican strategists might hope. Now, Trini, why are Democrats staying away from impeachment talk now? So after what Michael Cohen said in the court hearing uh, two days ago, the, the idea was that impeachment would become a big focus of the midterms. There were a lot of consultants saying that. So Molly and I checked in with both Democrats and Republicans, and what we learned is that there's still very little appetite among Democrats who are actually running for Congress uh, or who are already in Congress, you know, in terms of Democratic leadership, to bring up impeachment as they try to win back the, the try to take over the majority in the House. They 
they feel like they need to stay focused on issues and that uh, talking about impeachment, they still view it as mostly a distraction. Right, because Tarini, what's changed, correct, is that before we were talking about some kind of vague hypotheticals about potential collusion with Russia, to now we're talking about an actual crime that the president has been implicated in, right? So there is a, a real possibility now that this could happen. Right. So because of what Michael Cohen said, which is uh, naming the president, you know, he said the federal candidate uh, directed and acted in coordination in terms of the campaign finance violation that he has pleaded guilty to. Um, there were some uh, Democrats, you know, talking about how the, now that this is actually, uh, you know, something more substantive to bring up in talking about impeachment discussions, that they would try to use it more. But it seems like that's not going to happen yet. They're just not there yet. Wow, not there yet. Now, Tarini, why are Republicans hoping that Democrats start an impeachment fight? So Republicans I spoke to who are close to Trump uh, said that they really want Democrats to go there. They want Democrats to talk about impeachment because they think that that sort of discussion takes away from talking about the economy, healthcare, things that actual voters care about. And they think that, you know, swing voters, independent voters will view this as just a political attack on the president. And they, rather, they would rather hear about how the Democrats are actually going to help them in terms of everyday lives, you know, issues that they care about. So shifting from what Democrats aren't talking about to what they are talking about, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News. After Michael Cohen pleaded guilty, including to charges of campaign finance violation, Democrats feel they've gained new ground in fighting Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. Tarini, how are Democrats trying to tie Cohen to Kavanaugh? So, you know, there isn't a, a shift, as we just talked about, in terms of midterm discussion, but we did see a shift yesterday in terms of how they're talking about the Supreme Court nominee, Kavanaugh. Uh, you know, earlier, the Democrats had been talking about sort of a more process-driven approach. They were talking about uh, getting some of the papers um, related to Kavanaugh. They were trying to slow down the process that way. But now they have this sort of, again, the substantive issue in terms of what Cohen said the other day to bring up um, Kamala Harris called uh, the president, uh, you know, an unindicted co-conspirator and said that uh, someone like Kavanaugh, who might actually be, uh, you know, deciding on a case related to the president, should not be having Supreme Court hearings at the moment. Wow, interesting. Now, Tarini, we also wanted to ask about Trump's response to the story of Molly Tibbetts. Trump recorded a video on this last night. Now, why is the White House zeroing, zeroing in on this particular story? So we've seen the White House uh, for at least a year now really hone in on this issue of illegal immigrants and um, kind of the lives that they've taken uh, in terms of murders. They've brought up repeatedly parents of um, people who've uh, been killed by illegal immigrants. And this is something that they like to talk about. And so they're using this tragedy to kind of focus on the issue of undocumented, undocumented immigrants and, uh, and you know, the president also loves to talk about crime and he's sort of the law and order president. So they kind of feel like this is an area where um, they can talk about the issues that work for their base, that their base cares about. Um, obviously, it was pretty controversial that they made this video timed so close to the death. Um, so I, I think we saw a lot of responses to that on Twitter, you know, saying this is probably too soon to politicize a tragedy, tragedy like that. Putting aside the substance of the video, the strategy of putting 
putting out all these videos is quite interesting too. I'm wondering, uh, Bill Shine recently joined from Fox, joined the White House there. Do you sense his sort of fingerprints on this video strategy? That definitely seems to be the case. We're seeing the president now not just tweet in terms of, you know, his his words, uh, but he they're actually using the president's Twitter account to tweet videos of him talking about the economy uh, and other issues, which definitely seems to be kind of the Bill Shine uh, approach here. He's been communications director for a few weeks now, and we hadn't really seen too much of a shift in strategy when it comes to White House messaging. But this is this is one clear way where things seem to have changed in how the president is directly communicating to voters and especially his base. Well, thank you, Tarini. And uh, you better race back to the White House and let them all know about Bruno. <laughs> I'll do just that. Okay. Well, up next, we are speaking with Sachikol about our new BuzzFeed show on Netflix. Follow this. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Here's a tweet from my boss, Lisa Tozzi. I can't wait for everyone to see this show my brilliant BuzzFeed News colleague have been working on. That's right, joining me now is Sachi Cole, one of those brilliant colleagues starring in the new Netflix series, Follow This. Sachi, good morning. Oh, call me brilliant again. I liked that. Well, you are famous now. You're in this <laughs> brilliant new Netflix show. So let's take a look at some of the trailer. I don't think it's porn. It doesn't, um... Love you guys. As reporters, we're interested in topics that touch on the culture and community of the internet. I love this. That looks so amazing. My God. <laughs> uh, okay, Sachi, i got to ask. One of the goals of this show uh, is to follow what it's really like to be a journalist. So I'm wondering, what do you think is the biggest misconception people may have about our job? Well, I mean, I think especially if you're a woman in the field, there's a misconception that all you do is uh, sleep with your sources and your bosses. So that should be a nice <laughs> thing to slowly subvert. Um, but I think also there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of distrust about media right now. And so I think it's really interesting to be able to take people to see the process and sort of how we work through it and that we aren't the enemy and we don't sort of go in with these um, these big intentions and these evil intentions. So I'm excited for people to look behind the curtain a little bit. Me too. Now, you're the focus of two of the episodes that have just dropped. And I think in the first one, you are investigating, as we saw in the trailer, there's phenomenon of ASMR videos. Yeah. Videos. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, what did you learn about these ASM artists? I mean, they make a lot of money. Like a lot of the people who do it, it's their full-time job. And I think it's really interesting that there's an entire community of people who have found uh, soothing in this really unorthodox community in this really unorthodox way. And um, I don't know, it was a, it was one of the rare cases where I've worked on a story and it's sort of come out quite pure. Wait. And everybody was just sort of getting better. I am stunned. They make money. How do they make money off this? They, it's their full-time job. So these YouTubers, they have a lot of um, sponsorship deals. They have, some of them do um, private sessions one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, they uh, sometimes, they have obviously ads that run between, from before their videos. They sort of make money the way a lot of YouTubers do, but it's an interesting uh, hustle, I guess. It is indeed. I had, we interviewed uh, Life with Max star McKenna the other day, that young 13 year old who's going viral. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure she'll be yeah. thrilled to know this can be her full time job. Uh, the other, Never know. the other episode that you're in is about something very different. Men's rights activists. Why was it yeah. important for you to tackle that one? 
Well, that one was less soothing for sure. I mean, it was something that I think uh, we wanted to tackle. Certainly MRAs have gone after me in the past. They've harassed me before they've tried to dox me. And I think they've also sort of taken on a really prevalent role in society and in the terms of how we look at gendered violence and how we look at um, discrimination. And so I think uh, it was really important to look at that and to not laugh at it and to not sort of dismiss it as something that's silly and fringe, but to really report on it earnestly. I mean, you were just talking there about how you've engaged with some of these people online. Was there any difference in interacting with them in real life? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're cowards in real life. They don't want to say what they say online to you in person. They never will. Um, and a lot of them actually didn't want to speak to us at all because I think they knew um, that it's it's much harder to to call me a cunt to my face than it is to send it to me in an email. You should print that on a shirt. Uh, (laughs) What what was it like to be filmed, though, making these episodes? I'm wondering, you've been on AM to DM a few times. Was the process any different? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're a journalist, I think you're a little bit used to sort of sitting in the corner and listening quietly and hoping people don't completely notice you so you can hear everything that's going on. When you have a camera crew and producers and a sound guy and there's like a big microphone hanging from the ceiling, that's a lot harder um, so it sort of made me activate, I think, a, a different muscle. And um, you also have to, you're taking somebody else on a journey with you. You're not just sort of listening and then thinking about how it's going to come together later. You sort of feel like there's another participant with you there. I love that. Uh, we're seeing the trailer again now. And the rest of the show features some of our friends, including Bim, Charlie and John Stanton. Which ones are you most excited to see? Oh, only mine. I don't know who any of those people are. <laughs> You sound like your mom. There you go. Yeah, only you. Yeah, just you. Uh, well, Sachi, I look forward to buying that shirt that you're selling. Thank you for joining us. And you can watch. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. You can watch Sachi and many more of our brilliant colleagues in Follow This on Netflix now. Up next, I am sitting down with actor Raul Castillo. So stay tuned. Welcome back. This is The Sit Down and I'm joined now by someone I'm a big fan of, Raul Castillo, star of the new movie, We the Animals. Welcome to AM to DM. Thank you. Uh, this is a beautiful film. I watched this last night. As I was just saying to you, there's some real, it's a cross between Moonlight and Boyhood and Terrence Malick. It's mm. a beautiful story. You play someone who's not exactly the most beloved character in this <laughs> film. He's a rather brutish father to these three boys. Uh, what was it like inhabiting this kind of very machismo character? Well, I think it's sort of the character's sort of reflective of fathers in general. Like yeah. they, you know, the mothers sort of do all the work and get none of the glory. And yes. I think that the pops in, in in this story serves a similar function. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was it was it was a, you know making the film was a, a great you know labor of love and mm-hmm. it was an incredible process working with Jeremiah with Sheila Vand who plays the mother of the boys mm-hmm. and, and working with the three boys was incredible. They had never acted before. They'd never yes. done a film, so that was a really special process. Yeah. So how do you on set? Uh, act with these kids who've never acted before. I imagine that's a big mm. challenge, right? You don't, you don't have to act because they, they're just living and breathing and being authentic. Yeah. And, and, and Jeremiah Zagar, our director, was very intent on working in this. He's a documentarian by trade. Right. This is his first narrative film, so he was very intent on making it in, with non-actors. Yeah. Sheila and I were the only quote-unquote professional actors in the right. film. And they, you know, we spent a lot of time 
before shooting, uh, at, at kind of living and coexisting as a family. Yes. Uh, yeah. so in order to kind of build up this exactly. sort of relationship. Right, so by the time the cameras were rolling, we already had, there was a fluidity. And you were just saying the, uh, the oldest one of these boys is just heading into high school That's now? Right. Yeah. That's pretty cool to go yeah. to high school with a movie Yeah, you absolutely. Well. I think he's going to be pretty cool in high school, totally. I would say. <laughs> uh, I have to know, so we're talking about this idea of like father figures mm -hmm. and macho characters. There's been a lot of discussion this past year about what what being a man entails and what are the responsibilities of men. And you filmed sure. all this, obviously, before the Me Too movement started. Sure. I'm wondering, have you learned anything in this last year that you, you wish you knew back then? Um, no, I, I don't think that I've learned. Uh, I, think, I think, if anything, it's sort of uh, uh, what's gone on with the Me Too movement has only sort of supported mm -hmm. my, my suspicions. And, and, and uh, I think that the film really explores toxic masculinity yeah. and then the novel, because the film is based yes. off a novel. I think it really examines masculinity in an honest and raw right. way, yeah. you know, that I'm really, I'm, and I think the film really reflects that in a way that I'm proud of. Right. It's funny, because I was watching it and I was thinking of your character in Looking as you play mm -hmm. this kind of guy who's having to educate this clueless white guy. Uh, right. And here you are, you're, you're on the other end of the clueless spectrum here, ignorant to your own own son sure. here as well. Yeah. Apparently there was a bit of a, you're on the other side of the queer experience here. That's right. Aren't you, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, drawing on that ignorance, is it like, there's a lot that men are kind of have to, we have to remind ourselves of, right? Yeah. Like these like outside forces that we're not paying attention right. to. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and when you were going through how you built this character, were you drawing from people in your own life that you knew? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's def I definitely grew up in a, an environment where machismo was, was sort of uh, mm -hmm. the given, uh, and I had to learn to navigate that. Mm -hmm. L luckily, I had theater and acting and, you know, I think all this kind of, the, the, the arts that right. sort of exposed me to a, a lot. Right. I'm really grateful for that. We talked about looking, we talked about, and we're talking about with the animals. Do you feel there's a greater pressure when these films are about marginalized communities? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that we, I think the, the great gift that we had was the novel. Mm -hmm. Justin Torres, yeah. who wrote this novel, gave us a, this great story. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's not biography, it's fiction, but mm -hmm. it's very much reflective of his own life and his own experiences. And I think that he really went above and beyond to kind of like depict what true masculinity right. is and, and, and these sort of, these false notions of masculinity and, and what our, you know, our, our protagonist Jonah is sort of, how he's existing in this world of, yeah. you know, real toxic ma masculinity. Yeah. Um. Looking was really embraced by a lot of people in the gay community. I loved it. But there were other people who didn't feel that they were represented in it. Yeah. And I'm wondering, is that just because it's unfair, do you think, because there's just sort of a dearth of other that's, I think that's exactly what it is. I right. think if Looking had come out now, I think it'd, it'd be embraced in a whole different way. I think, right. the I think it, it was a little bit ahead of, ahead yeah. of its time in a way. I, I do think that people were really hungry for stories like it. Yeah. And, and I think that... It, the expectations sort of, I think there was a lot of criticism, but I think the looking fans at the end of the day are so loving and, and yeah. I, I really, I, I'm so proud of that show and so proud to be a part of that. And I'm, I hope that the looking fans, you know, watch We the Animals because I think there's a lot of intersectionality. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm wondering, uh, as a straight man who played a gay man in mm -hmm. Looking, there was a bit of a controversy recently with this Disney news that they've cast a straight man in, uh, I think the first openly gay role mm -hmm. that's going to be in a Disney film. And there was a bit of backlash to that from some in the gay community. And I'm wondering what, what your perspective was on that debate. I mean, I, the, I understand that because there are fewer, there are fewer gay characters out there mm -hmm. and, and, and I, I get it. I mean, I, I, would, I would hate to um, 
it, it, it's 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 a complicated. There's so many. There's so there's so much behind that. But I would hate to. Um, you know, limit a, a gay actor from playing a straight role. Similarly, it's like, it's it's so complicated. It's mm -hmm. hard. It's hard to say. I got really lucky. I got to play this incredible gay character, and I and I wanted to honor what that experience is. But but I I understand people's frustrations, and, and it makes it makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had Gina Rodriguez here on the show a couple mm. of weeks ago, and she was just promoting this great film on her Instagram page. Did you see that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, good. That. Just awesome. making sure I wasn't yeah. the first to tell you. Good. Uh, and she was talking about how she feels like these elite Hollywood institutions, like the Emmys in particular, don't do enough to recognize Latino uh, actors. And I'm wondering, how do we, how do we change that? Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I wish I had the answer for that. I mean, I think there's a, there's a lack of, uh, there's sort of a lack of stories out there to begin with. And I think, I think we have to foster writers and yeah. directors who are, who are championing stories of, of people of color and telling, mm -hmm. telling our stories. I think that at the end of the day, the industry has to, has to cultivate that, um, on the writer's side, mm -hmm. on the director's side, um, and, and and certainly on, on uh, it, it, for actors, uh, we have to create opportunities. I mean, I yeah. think TV is really there are more opportunities for, for people of color on, on television. I hope I hope that film and theater catch up. Why do you think that is? What is it about TV that gives actors of color more opportunities? I think Netflix, in some ways, kind of changed the tone. I think yeah. when you see shows like Orange Is the New Black, yeah. you know, and you see this great, incredible, diverse cast of all these beautiful women that are like, you know, just representative. I think, and it's interesting that it's a show about women in prison, but you know, yeah. like, but but it really represents, I think, uh, an America that I'm interested in and in, yeah. in, in sort of seeing, uh, and it's given opportunities to a lot of my friends who are Latino and black actors on, on mm -hmm. that show, and 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 uh, um, that, yeah, I think it, I don't know, I don't know, I think I, I just think that the that the people that are that are behind, you know, this uh, uh, sort of that are pulling the trigger on these projects have to get behind. Stories that re ref reflect an America that, that's yeah. truer. Yeah. Uh, speaking of America, one thing I didn't know until I started researching for this segment was that you're from McAllen, Texas, yes. which is a city that's been in the news a lot recently. That's right. Uh, I'm wondering, what do you think Americans don't know about border communities that uh, you wish they did? Um, that uh, God, I, I think that I think that people need to understand that the border is a more fluid place. That, mm -hmm. that there's. Yes, there's. The, I mean, where I grew up, there's a river, but ultimately, it's just a line in the sand. At the end of the day, and mm -hmm. and there's one and, and there's one country on on the other side. There's another. You know, Mexico's right there. I don't know. I, I grew up going back and forth so much. So so for me, I I understood being binational. Yeah. And and I think that America is so the United States is so huge that people forget that there's these there are these other countries right that we have these neighbors mm -hmm. right next door to us. I think when you know my. I just went to Europe for the first time this summer, and and the, you know the, I think Europe is is uh, there's so many countries mm -hmm. so, uh, so close to each other. Yeah. The United States is so wide and so far spread out that I think people forget that that there are these other countries right next door. And and I sort of I didn't take that for granted when I was a kid because I understood that my, you know my parents are right from across the border. I, I grew up going back and forth. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an American by by citizenship, but I I do feel. Uh, very binational. Well, it's beautifully said. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a beautiful film. I really encourage everyone to go see it. Weird Animals is in theaters right now. Up next, Chantal is talking about the Hills reboot, so stay tuned. Thank you so Thank much. You. was hit with, with nostalgia when MTV tweeted, The Hills is returning with new beginnings. Christy Yandoli, BuzzFeed News' entertainment reporter, is here now to take a look back at our phase and give us the scoop on what's coming up. 
Hey, Christy. Hey. How's it going? It's great. The hills are alive, darling. They are. <laughs> the hills are back. Are you excited? <laughs> I am excited. Yeah. I feel like I'm with a lot of people where, like, I'm a little bummed that we don't have all of our like OG faves, but I am excited. Okay. I'm here for the revival. Yeah, and speaking of, so the cast was on the red carpet of the MTV Maze yes, this week. They, so who was all there? So we got Justin Bobby, okay. Adrena, mm -hmm. uh, Spidey, so okay. Spencer, Heidi. They brought their little baby, oh, Gunner, okay. who's like a cute little kid. Um, Stephanie Pratt, who is Spencer's sister. Um, Frankie Delgado, who yeah. was Brody's friend. Yeah. I think that was everyone who was there. Wow. I think that was everyone who was there. Okay, well, interesting. So, yeah. as you can hear, I mean, right here we have the, a tweet from Kenny M. The cast of The Hills, where's LC? Where's Kristen? Where's Lo? Where's Whitney? Where's Brody? We don't see Spidey. We see Spidey, Audrina, Justin, Bobby. So tell us, if you're not gonna bring the icons back, why do a revival? So here's the thing. MTV is reviving a lot of their old shows right now, and they've okay. seen a ton of success with The Jersey Shore, which premieres the second part of of that revival premieres tonight, actually. Mm -hmm. So they've seen a lot of success with it and people want The Hills, but Elsie and Lo and Kristen, well, Elsie and Lo have made it pretty clear they don't want anything mm -hmm. to do with another revival. They've said they've like moved on with their lives, they have other stuff going on, and Kristen, I'm sure, would have wanted to do it, but she is involved in another E! reality show right mm -hmm. now, very Cavallari. I hope I'm pronouncing Ooh. her name right, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> so she, I'm sure, would have done it, but she has like other contract obligations going on. Awesome, so what's your most iconic line from Laguna and the Hills? I know mine is when Lauren said, I wanna forgive you and I wanna forget you. Yeah? I mean, I felt that read <laughs> in my soul. I am Team LC, like I've been Team LC since okay. I was 16 years old, so I love her. Um, I love when she's, I mean, they're obviously clearly like very drunk and it's nighttime and Audrina's sad that Justin Bobby didn't show up to this like Malibu party. Yeah. And Elsie goes like something like, homeboy wore combat boots to the beach. <laughs> I know you don't that want that to iconic. be your boyfriend that and I iconic. like, that's the gif I love. But I also- Who does? Who, rush, who wears that? Uh, Justin Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> I also love the gif of her crying that like, one oh, tear. Yeah. It's not a line. And I think she's like fighting with Audrina when it happens and they're trying to save their friendship. And it is just so perfect. Like you can't script that. I mean, I don't know if it was scripted, but it's like just the perfect one teardrop. Oh, yeah. Just one teardrop. It's so good. Now we have the duo Spidey and Spencer is a correspondent for E. Now talk to us, like what's his deal and what can we expect from them this season? So Spencer, I think since the show has gone off air, has become a huge Twitter personality. Has he? And he is great on Twitter, honestly. Like, I didn't like him on the show, but he's been great on Twitter. I think that the show is supposed to, you know, showcase everyone where they're at in their current lives. I think the hard thing is gonna be, like, since The Hills has gone off air, people have been very vocal, Spencer and Heidi included, about how fake The Hills was and how scripted a lot of things were and how people used to get text messages from producers like, say this line. So that stuff has come out, but now that they're reviving it, I think they're gonna struggle a bit, you know, 
people are going to wonder, is this all scripted like you've said it was in the past or whatever? But I'm sure he will have some craziness going on. He's very good at drama. Yes, very much so. <laughs> so I'm sure. And now he's like into crystals and okay. healing and stuff. So we'll probably see him wow. dabbling. And he's a dad. Yeah, he's a His dad. His nickname used to be Pratt Daddy, but he's like literally a okay, dad now. Enough. No, <laughs> I didn't give him the nickname. And it was scripted in that backdrop at the end of the finale. Like, I was like, the jig is up. And yeah. There's a new cast member this season. So yeah. Yeah. Star Kyle Massey is yes. the cast. Yes. Pretty random. So random. So how are people reacting to this casting? People think it's random. Yeah. People think it's as random as it is. Okay. Um, I too feel like, okay, I'm not really sure yeah. what they're doing there. Yeah. Um, and that again is par for the course with the Hills. Like things feel a little forced because you just add cast members who are like, why are they here? How are they gonna fit into, the, fit into this? Are they genuinely friends with people? So I don't know how he fits into this and I'm super curious to see. It yeah. feels very random. It's pretty random. I can't wait to tune in and just like have my popcorn and just be nostalgic yeah. and everything. Yeah, I'm insane. excited. I'm wondering what they're gonna do now because it's like, they can't go out to clubs. We're gonna see them. They can't. They're full grown adults with children. Yeah, I shouldn't yeah. say they can't go to clubs. They can, they can, but I just don't think it'll be the same yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, it's not going to be, but I will be tuned in. Me too. <laughs> oh, I will be tuned in. Thank you so much for joining us. Today. Yeah, thank you. And we want to hear from you. Tweet us your favorite moments from the hills and let us know if you'll be watching the revival. Up next, David and I are responding to your tweets. Welcome back. I'm still kind of like, you know, charmed by Mr. Castillo. Who yeah, was I mean, I might say he's kind of handsome. He was very yeah. handsome. He's a great actor. The movie is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I really, it's actually a really, really beautiful movie. Really nice coming of age story yeah. done in a really original way. Uh, but already I have a lot of my fellow gays at me being like, <laughs> so everyone back off, I all right? I was leaning into that interview. Okay, anyway, <laughs> listen, we asked for your thoughts on astrology, the nonsense of astrology, and Saber Breaker says, no, astrology is the ultimate BS. Well, it would be if we still lived in a world without anti-vaxxers. Let it all die, it's 2018, not 1180. Whoa, Saber, whoa. Uh, are you feeling much. personally attacked right I now? I don't, because I know my truth, and anti-vaxxers <laughs> and astrology in the same sentence, never thought I'd see the day. Okay, honestly. all right. Fair enough. Well, anywho, we also asked you about popular TV shows you just don't understand. Pix Maven says, I love that flat ooh that sucks from Chantan reaction to Big Bang's end, and hard agree. Friends and all that were terrible shows. Okay. Thank you for understanding. You uh, see each other. I mean, me. fr Friends doesn't hold up today, but at the time, it was... Look, Okay, whatever. I'm moving on. No. Uh, Paul was not alone in saying they don't get this series. Uh, they said Westworld, which I... Okay, I have to say, when I, when I first heard of Westworld, I was like, what is this? But then yeah. I was on a very, very, very long flight back to Australia, and I managed to watch all about the first How season. How was it? Uh, it's good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's, uh, it takes a long time, but oh, it's does good. It? It's I one of those, like, it takes a long time shows. I yeah. have no patience. Okay, fair okay. enough. <laughs> <laughs> and some very nice words from Softy38 for follow this. BuzzFeed and Netflix together, that's gonna be a must see. Oh yeah, I can't wait. It's already up in your Netflix queue, so go home, get your loved ones, get your thick cats and start Netflix and chilling. Scotch is amazing. That's the verb. So uh, thank you to all our guests today, Raul Castillo, Ellie Hall, Tarini Party Such a Call, Christy Yandouli, and the thick cat mom herself, Lauren Paris. Iconic. And tomorrow, Stephanie McNeil and Hayes Brown will be hosting, so be sure to check it out at 10 a.m. I'm done Bye. for the week. I'm free. Give me that thick cat. Thick cat.